Christian revival throughout the last few days, there's preparation and the Lord has been guiding us diligently through the word and teaching us exactly what is needed for us for this year. So it is not like a revival week, it is not a revival like um, thing, it is a revival year. Are you guys saying it's a revival year? What God wants this year is for leaders to be able to channel their hearts and their minds towards God's business in the business of souls. It's a soul winning business. God giving people in their hearts the burden of soul, the burden to go and win souls, knowing and understanding that God's business is what's relevant in today's world. God's business is what's relevant in the world that you're all called to, though. Whether it's in the, 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 the educational world or the, or the medical world, wherever it is, it is still God's revival. And when Pastor Toby and I believe Pastor Sam tries to talk about the burden, and, and we've now been hearing words, I believe these kind of words are able to bring us into another place of understanding how God deals with us as a people. And as a family, God is looking for a movement. It is a movement that proceeds closer into God's presence and brings the world with it. It is movement. Are you guys with me? So what is God looking for? He's looking for men that he can direct. Men that he can direct into those things. Now, God is looking for people that he can, that he can show where the back of souls are hiding. But I'm just looking at revival. I'm just saying to myself, this thing cannot be properly defined. It cannot be properly defined. I'm trying to understand so many, in so many ways, I'm trying to understand exactly what God is trying to say, but I believe what we're seeing now is the forming of a new church. Mm. What is the church that God is looking for? The church that God is looking for is a church without walls. It is a church where every individual here is responsible for sheep that God has left lost in mountains on purpose because the Lord does not lose anything. What he does is he scatters people in different places so that your heart, if you have the heart of revival, your heart will be led to where the sheep are going to stray. Your heart will not be led to where mammon hides. You will not be, you will not be led to where money, is, where money hides. Or where treasures dwell, but your heart will be led to where sheep are held captive. Because it is where the sheep are held captive that resources lie. That is the church that God is looking for. He's looking for leaders. All of you here are leaders. This room is a room of leaders. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It is, if you're not able now to think globally for the next 10 years, Looking at yourself now and understanding that if I am to put myself under the pressure of the word for 10 years, what will I become? What will I see out of my life? I've been called out of a background of nothing. Nobody here is out of a background of plenty. Because if it was out of a background of plenty, then the Lord would not be using you. That's not how God starts. That's not how revival starts. Revival starts with something that is seemingly meaningless. Something that is too little to be counted as something. Something that supposedly can be ignored to the naked eye. So when revival first came to Moses, the revivalist, when Moses first saw revival, it was a burning bush that has been burning for a while, but he's going to decide, let me now look. It is that thing that was insignificant for a while. 
that in the time of its significance, it becomes something. Are you hearing what I'm saying? In the midst of Egypt building their armies and Egypt advancing with technology, it was a burning bush that set a blaze in the heart of Moses that allowed him to take slaves. Are you with me now? Allowed him to take slaves out of Egypt and lead them into a land that they'll begin to build for themselves. So I want to ask you now, what, what started your journey? Where did your own journey start? Did your journey start from a burning bush? Was it a fire in your heart that rekindled you to understand and know that someone is speaking to me? I feel like someone is speaking to me, but I cannot see him or hear him. Where did the journey start for many of us? And when Pastor Stan started to speak about Jesus the revivalist. But first, let's now look at, before we go into revive people, let's look at revivalists themselves. What is the work of a revivalist? It's to kindle a fire. Simple. The only work for a revivalist is to kindle a fire, no matter how small or how big, but you must kindle a fire. Fire is kindled by what? In those days, maybe we'll speak about the putting of sticks together. And when sticks come together, you're able to set a fire ablaze. But the revivalist man is a man that first, his determination is to kindle a fire wherever he's sent. That is his determination. That is what's in his heart. He knows that that is his only job description. Although the name of the role is revivalist, the description of the job is start a fire. How does start fire start? I speak to you about sticks. But these are sticks that are stuck on the back of people. There are people with crosses marked on their back. These are, these are people that are marked for death. They're bound to carry cross even though they don't believe in the Lord. You don't need them to believe in the Lord. You just need to see them with a wood on their back. You need to know the ones who are Isaacs that you can sacrifice and the ones that are Ishmaels that you should cast out. When God is speaking about revival, he's saying that there are people out there, guys, that their threshold for pain is also like yours. They're just marked, marked men. And when Pastor Stephen starts speaking about Ezekiel in the Valley of Dry Bones, you know, you know what, we, what we fail to see is that there are, there are so many people that are suffering, but they're not suffering their own fights. It's not like their own war. It's not their own battle. They're carrying something, but they need to be given the description of what they're carrying. And only the man that has died already can tell them that you're carrying a cross on your back and you never knew. The wood on your back is meant to be set ablaze, not carried forever. But if you can find others that look like you, you stand a chance. Because you cannot, latch the, um, you cannot light the match yourself. You must attach to those who are already burning. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yes. Speaking about those who are revivalists, so you can get into the world and you start looking for borrowed vessels. What are borrowed vessels? When pieces are speaking about vessels that are borrowed because oil needs to pour out into the vessels. God is speaking about souls that don't believe in Christ. They're not his kids. But regardless, they need the spirit of God inside them. Did you ever believe that there are people like that that exist? Maybe, maybe before you thought, no, you need to come to the altar and be, ask for forgiveness of your sins. But in the time of revival, there's no time for that. In the time of revival, there's no time for the altar. There's no time for the PT. There's no time for 
Are you ready to give your life to Christ, bro? There's no time for that. All that there is time for is the prophets and the oil. Yes, sir. Are there prophets in this room this evening? Yes, because if there are prophets in this room, then God is here just to do one thing to you. It's just one thing. It is just to make sure that you are filled. Are you hearing me? It's to make sure that you are filled. Because if you are filled, then those who are outside stand a chance. They stand a chance because they will, they will forever remain borrowed vessels until you drag them. God didn't ask you to start naming the vessel. He said for provision to come into the nation, there are vessels that are empty, but they need the prophet's oil inside them. <laughs> so this nation still doesn't understand what will free them. People wallowing in debt and in despair, but they don't understand the things that were meant to free them are the people that look in front of them. Those who they tormented in the neighborhoods that they abandoned. But these are still human beings. These are still what you can cause as borrowed vessels, people that you can bring out. And if there was a word, if there was a word for them to hear, you would see people behave. You would see people act. You would see people begin to function above their average mean. Look at yourselves. Who were you before you heard the word? What was your ability to do before you heard the word? You yourselves were once borrowed vessels, but because you remained in the master's house long enough. Right. Do, do you know that there's some people that because they remain in the master's house for so long, that is how they win the heart of the master. Yes. It's not because they necessarily believe, but because you were able to drag that, them in for long enough. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yes. These are the ones that will not directly believe in him, but they'll believe in you. That is the end time revival. It's no time. There's no time for, for, for the soul winning of give your life to Christ. I see someone standing outside Bagel saying, what would Jesus do? I don't know who Jesus is. I don't know who Jesus is. I don't want to know who he is. Is he alive? If he's dead, don't bother me with him. If you're a revivalist, now in your heart, you're just asking yourself, Lord, where did I go wrong in my life? Where you went wrong is when the fire, um, when, the, when you displaced the fire. Forget about you not having oil. Because oil can be given. But when you blew out the fire, when you snuffed out the fire, is the point when flies began to patch on the body. Because they'll only patch on what is cold and not what is hot. So you ask yourself, why do I stumble into sin? Why do I find myself struggling? It's because the fire has been displaced from your life. Yeah. It's been snuffed out. Yeah. So when Pastor Sam was speaking about there is no smoke without fire, but sometimes when you see the smoke, you know that fire used to be there because someone has snuffed out a fire. Yeah. Fire being snuffed out means someone making their way back into the world. It is another soul being lost. So in that realm, the way we see is that you can see smoke and rise into the air from afar. You begin to see souls that are, that are rejecting the gospel. Not understanding what they've been sent to, to the world that they've been sent to. How do I keep the fire burning? How do I keep the fire burning? One of the questions that I was asking myself throughout the whole of this week. How do I keep the fire burning, Pastor Stephen? It is by burden and it is by adversary. What did PT call it? It's by advers adversity. Adversity and burden allows the fire to continue to burn. It allows your stomach, it allows your spirit to remain uncomfortable and continue to scream and wail and cry. Because these are the things that usher more oil into the body. 
How do I usher oil into my lamp? How do I usher oil into my body? I must remain in a place of discomfort. And when comfort begins to come, I reject comfort so that I can allow oil into myself. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It is not all, it is not all comfort that is good. It is not all comfort that is good. Some comfort comes into your life to make sure that the fire begins to dwindle. So when God gave them instruction, he said, let the fire on your altar never burn out. Because at a time, there will be vessels that need to find me. But they cannot find me, but they can find you. And if they can find you, then you understand revival. So now I know that the, the burning bush that Moses saw that night was not a burning bush that was a person there. It must have been a man on fire too. He's just been standing there waiting for Moses to recognize him. It is still Moses though. It is Moses. So I want someone to quickly go to Mark 11. And we're going to read from Mark 11. So I, I just want you to understand what I'm trying to say to you a bit deeper. I don't like when I start mixing Bible readers and stuff like that. So Pastor Leah, just please read to the temperature that I would want. Yes, sir. As they approached Jerusalem, no, no, it has to be hotter than that. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord needs it and will send it back here shortly. Okay, so now there is a cult tied in a village. And at this time, Jesus said to them, go into the village there. You will find a cult. The cult, in another version, it says a donkey, I believe. It said you will find a donkey there. He said, untie it. When they ask you who needs it, say that the master needs it. Because Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. I believe in some versions, this is called the triumphant entry. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But it was for the, the celebration of what? Do you remember the celebration? I believe it was the celebration of the Passover. And I believe last week we spoke about the Passover, right? Yes, sir. So for the, for the celebration of that Passover, Jesus then said, so, just so you understand where you are at this point in according to the word and in according to the timeline of the word. Jesus goes that there is a donkey tied there at the village, but let them know that the master needs the donkey now because I am making my way back into the city. I'm making my way back in. But this is, this is Jesus, the revivalist speaking. But it is not about Jesus in this sense, like Pastor Toby has preached this before. It is about the donkey in this sense. Yeah. I'm speaking about men and women of God that are called into revival, but called to carry a burden of revival. Yeah. But you've been tied in a corner. So I was saying to some of you that I believe in this season, many people are being sent back where they came. Yeah. What did I mean by that? Those of you that encountered the word from the place of football, but when you entered the word, you were, you, were, you were enveloped in a fire that allowed you to forget about the place where you once came. Right, right. 
and that fire allowed you to cook for a while until the master now needs you today to send you back into the city in that same line of thing that you're doing. So what is revival? Revival is when men and women of God decide to drop the burden of their life and take on another burden. What is that burden? You see, in the time of revival, you have to check carefully what is bringing you pain. Check carefully. Because if it is not the body weight of the Lord Jesus, if it is not the weight of God's glory on your back, then you're not a revival yet. Then you're not a revived man yet. You see, at the point of when they entered into the city, at that point, the donkey is thinking that people are shouting and jubilating for him. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He believes sincerely that the shouts and the cries of rejoicing it is for him. But that donkey is still going through a burden at that time. He's going through a weight at that time. Are you guys with me tonight? He's going through a weight, but it is not the weight that he's used to. Because all his life he's been tied to that post. He's been used for something else. He's been going through another burden, but he's never been applauded the way he is now. There's a triumphant entry that comes after the Passover. It is the entry of carrying God's work. Mm. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yes. It, is not, it is not you're carrying Jesus physically. It is that you're carrying God's work. Mm. At the point where you carry God's work is the point where God can say, right, this man is a revivalist. Yeah. This is a revived man. Are you guys with me? So the cult makes his way into the city, but he's carrying a burden on his back. Yeah. Yeah. The life of the cult is like this, is that it is doomed and bound to work and move. It is always bound to work and move. It can never stop. It is a moving thing. It is constantly moving. Constantly moving. Its environment is constantly changing. But for a brief time, the time before the word took over his life, he is tight. Before the word takes over his life, he is tight. How did your life feel the last three years of the word? Did you feel like you were trapped? Because if you didn't, my friend, listen, you better go back into the village and be tied to the post. Because I can tell you sincerely now that for five years of following the word, I've never felt like I've made progress, but that's the right thing you should feel. Because if you were not tied, it means that you were not under a burden for a while. Because God needs you to understand the burden of revival from the burden of work. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because the burden of revival is different. When the burden of revival comes, you cannot see the burden of revival. It's on your back, you cannot see it. But you see, the burden of work is like this. Because the work of the donkey, he would have been able to see what he's pushing. Do you remember when God called Elisha and he said to me, listen, leave your ass behind. It is a work, the plow, leave it behind. Before you could see the work you were doing, you were a doctor, you were a pharmacist, you could see the work you were doing. You entered the Hispanic nation, all of a sudden you entered the work, and all of a sudden it's like everything stopped. And if you did not feel that way, I'm telling you that you've not yet begun your life in Hispanic nation. Because everything stopped at a standstill because God ties. He ties that life because that life should not go through any more adversity until it is the adversity of my work. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So until it is the adversity of my work, this life should not see adversity again. 
So for three years, maybe four, maybe five, we've all been here working. Am I speaking to leaders tonight? Yes, sir. We've all been here working. So how do I want leaders to pray tonight? You're reminding God that for three years I did nothing. I did not take up any other work for any reason. Yes, it looked like I was working, but it was not a burden, Lord. But all of a sudden, this one is a burden. This one comes with adversity. This one comes with bad speaking against me. But it's not against me. It's seemingly against whatever it is I'm carrying, but I don't know what it is. The first, the first thing is if the donkey can see what he's carrying, he's going to shake him off. Because his work is not to carry the man. His work is usually to carry some corn or some wheat. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So what does the world begin to do to those who are meant to be world leaders? It will tell you that, Kate, your burden is to carry your, 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 your education. Work your education until it becomes a burden onto your life. And, and we've learned from the previous generation to glory in those burdens. Yeah. When you come back and you're smiling and you're, and you're in pain, but inside there's a joy inside you that your evil mother has taught you to be happy at the burden that the world gave you. Yeah. Oh, I'm just so tired because I've been working so hard. Oh. Hey. And when God hears that, he said, that cult is not ready. Because the only cult I'm going to use is the one that is not felt any burden yet until I mount on him. But I'm going to one place because I've already passed away. I've passed, I told you about the pastor, so we've already paid the price of last week. We're in now. Revival now is the triumphant entry. That's what I'm trying to tell you. But where is God leading you to? It is the rider who leads the donkey. It is not you. So if you still feel like you're leading your life, then know that you're not carrying God's work. God's work has to lead you. It has to point you to one direction. It has to point you to another direction. So I was saying to Pastor Sam that when he was speaking about the direction of supply, what is the direction of supply? When Pastor Toby was speaking about, about what it takes for you to prosper in the place of revival, the direction of supply is adversity. Where the master mounts you and begins to lead you to where he is going to be punished. Is that not why Christ went back into Jerusalem? Yeah. I, I hope this thing I'm saying is not like too funny for you. Yeah. He's not going back into the city to live life. He's going back into the city to die. He's going to do some things there that's going to lead him to his death. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yes, sir. He's, so he's, he's directing the donkey into adversity, but the donkey believes he's being directed into plenty. <laughs> Some of you believe that your life has just started now. Oh, yeah, some great things are happening now. Lord, my life is moving. Do you know where he's leading you to, though? <laughs> I just want you to be, re to be prepared for what revival looks like. Revival, listen, this guy believes that, oh yeah, my, my friends in the world are just listening to me now. Yes, sir, I, I hear the word now. I'm hearing the word clearly. But you see, because I don't want to burst this bubble, I'm just like, yeah, 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 yeah. Man, they're all getting you now. Don't worry. You're just, you're going to be, what's, what did Paul say? Um, be the Jew to win the Jews and all those kind of stuff, right? He doesn't understand that from, from one adversity to another, that the Lord took him through one person. That person, you thought that person caused hell for you? 
You see all the friends you're going to meet and evangelize to now. It looks like your life is coming back, Stephen, but what God is just planning is another bigger crowd of shame. But you're not going to get it. You don't understand that it's, it's, it's the guy that you're carrying behind you is the one that's causing this whole thing. The moment you drop the work, they'll accept you. You don't understand. Listen, I'm telling you, he thinks he's going back into football to begin to prosper. Yeah, now I found out that, ah, oh, yeah, I'm going to start meeting the man. He was even there for two days. I didn't see how for two days. He started believing that prosperity is on his way. The, the, do you remember the shame of getting injured and leaving? Do you remember that shame? Now remember that shame times 10. That is what's coming again. Because from one adversity to another adversity, because the first adversity formed this. And God's enjoyment in that is, let me see what times 10 of this is going to be. So he's leading you like he's leading you into plenty. But it's a corner move. It's a corner move to ensure that fire remains on this guy's back. Because if this guy enters into a seeming plenty, what happens to the fire? It's harder to pray. Sometimes I see people who struggle to pray. And you know what I see? I see people that don't know that they have problems. They, they're in problem, but they don't know that the problem is theirs, is their own. As in, guy, this problem is not like a world issue. It's for you. I don't think you get what I'm saying. I'm telling you that most of you go through issues because God allows those issues to remain on you so that you can understand the difference from his work and your work. You can understand the difference between I'm a listen, how, how pretty does a donkey look? How nice does donkey look? Does it look beautiful? Because I want leaders to start getting their minds shaped in a certain way. Where's oh, Pastor Lani still out there? I want leaders' minds to start getting shaped in a certain way so that you're ready for what God's called revival now. <laughs> it is that someone that does not look like what the world is looking for begins to get the attention of the world because of the work that they're carrying. We, we don't understand that it is this work that brings us into prominence. It is the work. But unless the revivalists understand that, they remain tired. So Jesus did the first thing. At his young age, he made his way to the temple saying that, I'm just going to start doing my father's business from now. <laughs> what is the work of every leader in the house tonight? What are we trying to create in the place of leadership? I'm looking for people that understand that three years under the word, meant that you rid off yourself. <laughs> you, you, you rid yourself off because you remained in the word when the world continued to move. The world continued to move and you stayed tied. You rid off your own life at that moment. At that moment, if you ever decide to carry yourself and your work again, you'll be too far behind. Yeah. <laughs> because this 
worked strategically tied you for so long to be able to disable you from the competition of life unless you embark on his burden. Unless you decide to take on his burden. So that's why when you enter this work, it always feels like when you go back into the flesh, it feels like you're chasing. <laughs> you feel like you're chasing because you don't understand. You think that you've been here for a year. But in the time of the spirit, you've been here like 10 years. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's a time where you've been tied down and you're just looking at the word. Because sometimes you guys think that this work, this is a spiritual work. When every moment you open the word, every moment you hear PT speaking, every moment, you don't understand that it is a time frame. Yeah. Yeah. And in that time frame, years are advancing. So you've now spent 10, 20 years of sitting down, but you think it's just like a week. You've written yourself off of everything. It is too late for you to turn back. All you can do now is take on the burden. Adversities that lead you into the plenty of God, but which is God's adversity. And when Pastor Samson is speaking about, oh, drinking the cup, drinking the cup. But before we, don't worry about those drinking the cup. Drinking the cup is very important. He spoke about that in the Passover. But whose cup are you going to drink? Because you're thinking that it is your cup. No. I speak to you about a guy called Joseph that Joseph is led into adversity. Joseph's life stopped for God's life to begin. I don't know what I'm trying to say using this word, but it is like God enjoys suffering. So the moment you say, fill me, Lord. Fill, Lord, fill me. And you're inviting him to live through you. Do you know the kind of man you're inviting him to you? You're inviting a guy that wants to drink a cup of affliction. So you invite someone into your life and your life begins to go through test. Yeah. It is a test for triumph. But you see, the day Joseph has encountered God in a dream, it begins his journey into a world where he's going to start to feel pain and pain. It begins first with selling him, pretending that he's dead. But oh Lord, I thought that when I saw myself with you in the dream that glory was coming for me. No, 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 no. The Lord told him that that's when I untied you finally to lead you. So the same leading came to Christ when he was led, when I never understood. When he said that Christ was led into the desert. Who led him there? Whoever decided to ride on that body called Jesus. He said, no, now we're going to take you somewhere so you can be tested properly. So Joseph goes into Egypt to be tested. And the first cup Joseph has to drink so that you understand what revival looks like. Until your capacity builds, the cup that you're really supposed to drink is the cup of Pharaoh. He's speaking about the, 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 the grapes and the wine in one cup in one hand and the baker in the other hand. You, the, the man that God is looking for in the place of revival is sending him into the city for what? It is to squeeze the grapes on the hand of Pharaoh into his cup. 
the kind of troubles leaders are supposed to take on in this time. I'm talking about world leaders, people who understand what God is speaking about in the place of the world. What is God saying? Neona's problems cannot be Neona's problems. It cannot be a car issue or a house issue because her CEO's issue is a marriage problem. But is she able to take it on now? Until she's able to take it on and drink of that man's affliction and tell him, you're fine, I take it on. This person's not ready for revival. What is revival, guys? You guys think revival is, oh, I'm just going to go and start praying around and dancing around and rolling around. And when I get into a place of worship, I'm going to feel the spirit of God so much that I'll always feel like I'm on fire. Do you know what revival is about? It is, it is men who are emptied. You're emptied so that you can take on what others have themselves. And it's not just others. It is, it is Pharaoh. It is the problem of Egypt. Moses breaks into Egypt and begins to say to Pharaoh, until you free my people, these things will follow you. Are you you in that space now where you can pastor those who who supposedly (laughs) lead you in the world? Or is your life still in the job contract that they gave you? Is your life still in that? If your life is still there, then you're not living life. You're not living life. You're just existing and playing, doing a role play every day. When will you get sick and tired of the role play? When will you get sick and tired of the role play that you play every day, nine to five? You come home and then you raise your hand in glory to Jesus. When you were really sent in there to take on problems that other people had... What does revival look like, people? I don't want leaders to start thinking that I need to be brilliant for me to advance. You don't need to be brilliant to advance. In the time when Moses was brilliant, he was demoted. In the time when Moses was stuttering, he was elevated. How is it then that you're looking before God, you're looking for all the wisdom of this world? There's nothing against books. I read a lot of books. But you're there ordering books, countless books after books because you're looking for elevation, really? That's what you think revival is about. You have no connection with your heart. You don't know who's crying next to you at all. You're waiting for someone to submit themselves to you with tears in their face. You don't know that they're men, strong face that are weeping inside them. Until your eyes of your heart are open enough to see them, you've not entered into the place of a revivalist. A revivalist is just a man who revives people. What is the reviving of people? I told you it is sparking a flame, pouring an oil. You just know this is an empty vessel. Do, have you heard empty vessel before? A resounding tongue. What, is the, what does this sound like? Paul began to speak about empty vessel. He said that if I don't have love, I am like a resounding gong. You want, you want to be able to, to spot those in the world that need your help? Look at those who have no love inside them. That is, the, that, that is the easiest way to detect. And when you're finding them, are you feeling them? Or are you too full of yourself to feel? So when a man wanted to join Jesus one day, Jesus told him, it is, it is fine that you want to follow me, but you need to drop everything you own. Yeah. It is empty men that follow me because I have to feel myself in you. Yeah. 
don't come with all your possessions. Yeah. The guy didn't understand. It was still metaphoric, but Jesus was trying to prove a point. Yeah. From the point where the man could not leave everything he had, Jesus knew this is a problem now. I can't pour into this one. Let leaders begin to be less blind, see clearly, know those who are following them, know those who are too full to be your followers, and don't cry about those ones. Allow them to be themselves. Allow them to play around. But we're in the middle of a battle. It is a warfare right now. It is a eye for eye, tooth for tooth stuff right now. That's where we are. It is not a designing website strategy time. It is a, are you able to find in a point and kill manner that this is the soul, this is the person, now engage, deal with them. And if your mind is not in that time frame, then you're not ready. You're not ready. So Christ made his way back into the city. And they were shouting, Hosanna to the king. Hosanna to the king. They were praising the work that they had seen. But the donkey has to just keep moving. He has to understand the tenet of the work. That unless the work gets praised, you can't keep moving. And unless the work is under the microscope, unless there's adversity brought by the work, you can't keep moving. I'm just looking at revivalist time, revivalist. I'm, I'm just saying to myself, okay, what's it going to take for this person to go past this place and go into this place? What's that going to take? Constantly, Pastor Toby then said to us, this is word and prayer season. Mm-hmm. Word and prayer. Mm-hmm. And I said to you guys what it takes, the bullet points that it takes, right? In this season and time, to get your whole self, your whole mind, your whole body into a place where you can push into what God is saying to you in this time of revival. And that's all it takes sincerely. But are you able to push yourself down under that? That's another thing. It is just you understanding the importance of the word in your life. You're not looking for ordinary instructions. When I say ordinary instructions, it is too simple to be told love. Have compassion. This is like one-on-one in the place of leadership. How, who, how, why would God send someone who's not able to take on burden into the world? There's things you guys pray for that it's irrelevant prayer. It depends on the state of your heart. You're still being told how to sow seed, when to sow seed, how to help people, when to give the word, when not to give. As in, you're still brought into those things. Listen, don't, that just shows that is this person really ready for the world? The only tool that you have is the word. Let me just say that to you now. The only tool that you have is the word. From the time you displace that from your life, you have nothing. From the time you begin to spend less time in the world, it is seen, it is, it is noticed, it is, you become nothing then. Why? Because at a time, even the donkey has to speak. 
came from, listen, guys, the revival now, when I'm speaking about the word, I'm talking about a life of sacrifice. Yes, sir. I'm not saying that you're sitting everybody down and you're preaching into their mind. Are you able to display sacrifice to those who you've been sent? I know. I know what you're thinking. Okay. In the relationships that you have, don't put burden on them. Take on the burden. Yes, sir. When you meet someone and you begin to ask for a blessing, you put burden on them. Now every night, they're thinking, this guy's asking me for money. When they see you, all they're seeing is, oh man, I need to give this guy money. Listen, when you catch those relationships, you, you will know when you see the relationships that you're set for. Don't put burden on them. Take on burden. Yes. These are little things that we begin to kill. How you kill revival, you snuff it out easily. Relationships that were key to your life, when you, you began to see them as Messiah, when you, you forgot you yourself are mm. their savior. Mm. <laughs> yeah. When you started treating them like they're gonna help you. Let me just tell you now, if you're in a revival church, in a revival church, there is no one out there that can help you. Do you understand? Nobody. No one. Not one soul you meet. I swear to you, in the name of Jesus, I'm telling you, yeah, you can put it where you want. I'm telling you in Jesus' name now. If you meet Tony Blair, if you meet Bill Gates, he will not give you 50p. Do you know why? There's just a mark on your head that says revival. And he himself don't know why he can't help you. Because the access into his heart is for you first to pay a price for him. And you're just putting relationships on the, on the you're just killing relationship after relationships. Putting them under pressure, under pressure, when you are meant to be carrying you were meant to be carrying and carrying and carrying. And then you carry for a while till the person themselves now realize that, oh, wow, this guy really did something for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's why you, you attend Thursday service Monday. You're just thinking there's a Jesus guy that did something for me. Until you put the world in that space. It's like this guy really did something for me. Then, 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 maybe then. You don't understand. It is that every man, every revivalist in the world, every revivalist has put themselves under a sacrifice before they were elevated. From the revivalist called Joseph to the revivalist called Daniel. Daniel first has to put himself in the place of interpreting the dream of the king. Before the king can see him as someone that I should elevate this man. It is not that, oh, if not, guess where Daniel belongs? In prison. So you understand your relationship with the world. It is not a relation. There is none of them that can save you. I need you to understand and I need you to know that even if you met a global chairman tomorrow, he's not going to give you jack. 
And I don't need you to cry and wonder why. Like I said, there's just a mark on your heart. There's just a mark on you. And every other person has a different testimony of them. Oh, when I met him, he helped me. Oh, when I met him, this happened. And so you, so you, you you're gingering yourself getting ready to meet him. <laughs> and when you come across him, ah, this guy's so hard. Children of revival, what do they look like? They understand their space in the world. Bleed out now, the God called Mammon. Bleed him out. He's always asking for you to desire of him. And if you desire of him, when you meet people, you'll be looking for what you can take from them. Bleed him out now. So when the Lord puts you in a tight space for a while, it's so that you can come to the place of conclusion that I can exist with something only called word, and I don't need mammon to exist. I can put myself into a space because I am a revivalist. When you understand what revivalist means, it is someone who ignites the fire of as a, a fire and passion for God. What is God? Is not some big guy with gray beard. God is everything that was created that is said, and it was good. So they don't understand what we're trying to do. When we're trying to pull heaven down to earth, it is not that we're saying that all of a sudden Jesus will be on the corner, but we're saying that what we decide to be good in the place of banking is what's going to is that's, is that's what's going to dwell on this world. What we decide is good in the place of healthcare, that's what's going to dwell in this world. What we decide is good in every space of life will dwell in this world. So that is why you, you, you know your Bible speaks about a new Jerusalem. It speaks about a city that God is building. A city that God is building that he's bringing down to earth. You do know that this is not like some spooky stuff, right? But where are you working on this city? Where do, where do you work on the city? Because everybody here has a part to play in the building of the city. You're building it in your heart. You're dragging people, you're populating your side of the city. If, 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 if Kishi proves to not be a responsible builder, then that builder has to be replaced, God forbid. But it is that every side of the city shows the wonders of God because men have built the city, not God. It's not time to start wondering what does Mark Zuckerberg look like praying in the spirit. <coughs> oh, if only Mark Zuckerberg was a man of God. <laughs> We're not in that space right now. He said, bring borrowed vessels, go and borrow. The next influx of revival in the church, they're not believers, PK. They're not believers. But they are workers. They are builders. In them is the oil. It is the oil that you, listen, because it is by the word of the prophet that the jar is filled. So imagine now, you having your CEO working on behalf to the pleasure of God's work that you're building, a stagnation work, but it's not like they're born again. It's only God needs born again, so. <laughs> this is God, we're talking about God. We're talking about God, and you, you want to you talk about born again? 
One of the keys to enter the kingdom of heaven. God, not talking, God is talking about revival. Yeah. New kingdom of heaven matters to kingdom of heaven people. To heaven people. We're talking about revival. We're just saying that there is a depressed lady out there in a relationship of some madness but she's second in the line of some hospital out there and she just needs to meet Pastor Eben. It's Eben that she's looking for, but she don't know. And when Eben meet her, Eben don't begin to say, do you believe in Jesus? No. What Eben says is, hey, come, follow me. Follow me. Then what she does that is God's work is whatever God has called Eben to do. Yes. Are you guys hearing what I'm saying? Yes. How many churches did Jesus preach in? Uh-huh. How many churches? How many churches had cross on them? Did they believe in the cross? <coughs> Are you guys getting what I'm trying to say here? Huh? Jesus preached in a thing, in a place, in a covenant, whatever you want to call synagogue, but he don't believe in him. What stops a man of God filled with fire to enter a mosque then? What is the difference, Stephen? <coughs> if we really want to talk revival and the fire of what God is speaking about, I'm saying that Spark Nation has a day and a time where the front row is filled with all kinds of people. Yeah. But they're notable people in the world. And you don't begin to judge them just because they said they don't believe in Jesus. But whoever they believed in is what brought them there. <laughs> who out of us is sent to those who are homosexual? The CEO of Apple today is a homosexual man. Who is his pastor? Is the man that's not going to start speaking about his ailment, but the man that will begin to point him to the work. I'm pointing to the work. Because at this point of revival, remember what I said to you, the word is the work. It is the burden that you're carrying. Whatever burden you're carrying at the point of revival is God's work. God is not calling a Mariam so that she can tell Oprah about Spark Nation. Uh-huh. Tell her about the book you're about to launch. Because if you tell her about Spark Nation, you know, what's the own Spark Nation? Yeah. <laughs> what's her own? She wants to know what is the burden on. So the revivalist is this. What God has put in their hearts, they must trust yeah. that that thing is of God. It is God's work. If you're still in a place where you're still judging, is what I'm doing right though. Then God says, sit down for a while until you are overburdened that you want to move. Do you get what I'm saying? You cannot. No. Listen. The revivalist has to know inside him this is the direction. Are you hearing me? He has to understand. That this is the direction. This is where I want to be, but I just can't get there. That's what qualified Moses for revival. He knows I'm the savior of these people. Until he sat down for long enough till that thing has overburdened his life, then the spirit of revival does not come to see him. It's just waiting. Revival is waiting till the man, till it dawns in the heart of the man that I am really the savior of these people. Who's going to save my people? It's the cry of Moses every night. Because he knows, he know, inside him, he just knows he's convinced. You know, until you find yourself in that space, you will always be someone else's number two. Because this is the man that God sent, but he doesn't believe. 
So listen, if you don't understand what I'm saying, there is a town called Nineveh. God has always planned for Nineveh to come to God. It is a town of sin, a city of sin. God knows that, listen, their sin is notorious to God. He knows about them. But he's called for someone to give them the word. And then that person is rejecting to. So what happens? That city remains under God's judgment because of one man. Do you understand the life of a revivalist now? So it's not like you have a double out there. You don't have a double. There's no double to you. You flop the mission. A whole work is destroyed. And it is because of that that God deals with revivalists with fire. He punishes them harshly. Because he needs them to understand that your decisions affect the lives of many people. Because you were there saying, no, 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 I'm not ready to go. So people were under God's judgment for a time that exceeded the time that God had marked for them to be punished. Life of a revival. Everything is down in the mark. Everything, the butt stops at yourself. If you don't live like that, you're not called for this life. You're not called for this work. I'm telling you the truth. I live today knowing there is no other number Pastor O. There's no Pastor O again. It is me. And I'm not saying that there's Pastor O, there's Pastor O on your account. Sorry. I'm just saying about me. There's no me. There's no me anywhere. There's no double of me. It is one me. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There's nobody that can replicate me. If you want to get me, you have to meet me. So, until you put yourself in that position, then you understand the burden of life that God gives you. You can't reject people. Jesus knows that if I say no, who will heal? Who will heal? If I say no, who will heal? So one day he says, he's just there watching his disciples playing with an evil spirit. I said playing because they thought they were casting out. The evil spirit was playing with them. It's just a whole joke. And then he comes to them and says, listen, this one only goes out by what? Prayer and fasting. <laughs> Only one Jesus. He knows. Listen, these guys have never fasted before. What did he say? That these ones are not called to fast while the bridegroom is here. So he knows that there's a level of power they don't operate in because he's here in the world. He's just watching them suffer and just watching them playing with an evil spirit. And he's going, no, no, no. It's me that tells this one to go. Are you guys hearing what I'm saying? You know, some of you are still, some of you, the truth is, until BT leave this country, you may not explode. But don't wait for that. Don't wait for that. You, you're just still waiting for a trap zone where you it actually clock in your head. You can't text BT to say, what do I do? then the spirit inside you starts to stir because it knows if you don't rise now, you're finished. Don't wait for that. Wait for tonight. Wait for today. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The prayer tonight is a revivalist prayer. Someone that is saying, I'm not asking to be called. I know I am. Just send me now where I ought to be. Lead me. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yes, it is the leading because you, the revivalist has to always remind himself that the person that's riding him is the person <laughs> that decides where he goes. Is the person that determines the affliction of today and tomorrow. <coughs> You've been betrayed by family before. And your rider says, ah, this girl's not ready for world takeover. 
She's still cool with her mom. Let's just make her and her mom fight for six Mass months. <laughs> and it leads, leads you into another thing. And the donkey is wondering, what am I going here? Why, why is this happening? Mom, I've done nothing to you. Why? But he goes, no. I'm going to make sure that because of me, the rider. Because the, the person is seeing the rider and going, who is this on top of you? Why is this thing on top of you? Who is this? And you, you can't see. Your thing is me. Is that no? It's not everyone. It's, what is this thing on you? I don't know you with this thing on you. And it causes, it causes a struggle. It causes a a a a, a, a stirring. That stirring allows the what? It, listen. He said that in regards to the donkey. Aha! Now we get what the Lord said. In regards to donkey. He's only going to speak after he's been beaten enough times. What's the word? The prophet is riding the donkey and is, an angel is in front of them yeah, yeah, yeah. with a sword. He's going to kill them. And the donkey is like, I'm not going there. Guy, we're going to die. And he's hitting the thing. <coughs> you know some of you what you're doing? You're not speaking out now, but you know what God is planning for you? A whole world of burden and adversity belongs to you. Jesus. Better open your mouth. Yeah. I'm telling you, he's planning some things for you that's going to force you to talk. Because the sword comes from the mouth, not from the side. In the place of revival, it is the mouth that sheds the sword. So you're fighting and you're being beaten and you're wondering why. Open your mouth. Engage in warfare. Open your mouth and speak. You're a revivalist. Right, right, right. You don't want to speak. He believes or she believes she's a quiet guy. Or he's a cool guy. So, so your house will always be under attack. She's not talking. Every word I speak of tonight, I'll be tested in. And Stephen, you know I know that. That's just the truth. Sometimes he calls me and goes, yes, it's happening now. The day I told you guys fire born again, the, the, the fire really came. <laughs> Whether I loved it or not is, re is despite the issue, but the fire really came. Yes, sir. Mm. Yeah, you feel me, Lord. <laughs> you're, you're singing, feel me, Lord. Oh, Lord, feel me. And Pastor Gifty hits a new note that you've never heard before. And then everybody's on the floor. Wham! <laughs> lying on the floor. And some people just lie on the floor to sleep. <laughs> Seriously. It's not to complete the you can tell. They begin, you're first shaking their head and then you dead still. <laughs> you, you're asking for more of you. I want more of you. You're, do you know what you're asking for? A man that his whole life is channeled for death. It is just for pain for people. You're asking for more. I want more of you. Um, uh, uh, what's his name? KB is looking at me. Are you singing along, sir? No. <laughs> <laughs> the oil of refreshment. <coughs> that a life has to be set ablaze, but under what conditions? Under what conditions? You don't pour oil on a cold stove. It's hot. It's that heat, it's enough heat, it must continue. So the Lord said, don't ever let this fire burn out. 
for my presence to remain with you. For me to remain with you on this journey, don't let this fire burn out. So you're checking your life and there's always something to deal with. But make sure, don't get religious and start saying, oh, ah, they, they, um, I'm paying parking ticket. Oh, it's just the pressure of God. That one is your foolishness. That one is your foolishness. Check the work so that you can know. The day that the fire, I know that there's pressure on everyone. Everyone goes back to her house and they're playing exposure for her on loud. Wow. Imagine, imagine walking to the door of your mom's house and they, they see you and they say, oh, wait, wait there, wait there. And I'm playing the speakers, playing the speakers. And then, you know, they're playing the exposure loud. And apparently my exposure is called Godfather. So they said to her, go back to your Godfather. <laughs> is that your Godfather? Go back to him. Until that kind of adversity comes, she doesn't yet know what she's living for. She's going to continue thinking she's a pharmacist. You know, no bloody pharmacist. What does that mean? Well, you make paracetamol for a living? That's your disguise. Revivalists have disguise. Jesus has disguise. The guy is pretending he's a carpenter. I bet, listen, the day I see Jesus is, show me one chair you make. Show me one chair. The guy is one chair. It's disguise. One. It's a disguise. Even wooden spoon. Even wooden spoon. Even wooden spoon. Now do you know? That's why they never talk about his dad. Because him and the dad are fighting. Oh. <laughs> you want to win souls like you want to be a soul snatcher? We have food to make, we have chairs to make, schedules to make, my friend. Why can't you just why can't you be responsible and just be a good bed maker? Life of a revivalist now. You understand that there are things and, and, and forms that you move into just to access certain people. You know, this about Pastor Kevin, the man, you can never deny this. People just like him. Even though he might be a troublemaker, he can be a bit of a bully. I've never seen someone come to me and say, I don't like him. I've never seen, I promise you. Even me that fight him many times. Sometimes I'm in my chair and I'm just like, where's PK though? <laughs> so is there driving some big guys around? Who were you with today? So you were you were with um, the president of Nigeria's pilots today. And I just know, okay, tomorrow you may not let your tomorrow now be, ah oh, man, this kid's casting is really banging. Yeah. No, God is just giving you a small window yeah. into the kind of souls the guy's meant to be snatching. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, these, these are the kind of people you're going to be speaking to, sir. Yeah. These are the kind of people that you sacrifice for. It's not daily bread every day. You're sacrificing for some of these people. You're, you're working yourself into a place where your word is relevant. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yes. The revivalist word is relevant wherever he is. 
Do you hear what I'm saying? The revivalist word, as in what he says, is relevant because he's paid the price for it. Yes, sir. So Jonah can speak to Nineveh, not just because he said, but he spent three days in the belly of the fish. So when he's talking, you can hear this guy that is accustomed to disobedience. Now, you didn't hear what I said. When, when, if you're talking to a disobedient man, you cannot talk to a disobedient man from the place of righteousness. Yeah. Yeah. It has to be from the place of, I've been disobedient yeah. before. Yeah. 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 If he cannot hear that in your heart, yeah. he's just thinking, this person is judging me. Yeah. Yeah. He's there giving the word to a city, but the city can hear him. They can see him. Forget about his end. Many people would debate his end. But this is a revivalist. We're talking about worlds that we are, God is going to start placing in your hand. You don't need to look any different. You don't need to take any new course. It's a heart matter. Is your heart seeing? Is your heart seeing? One day the medics will understand. They're just pastors. They just happen to know how to be doctors, but they're just pastors. They're pastors who are, who are demon-possessed. You think demon possession is like what you see in Hollywood? People just tearing their clothes? Do you know that there's people who dress head to toe, smart, sharp, wearing wood and perfume, yeah. and it's demon possessing? Yeah. Yeah. It is. The other day in Croydon, the witches and wizards had their annual meeting. Yeah. <laughs> and who turned up? Doctor, this person from Brazil is a wizard. Doctor, this person from China, she's a witch. I'm being honestly serious with you. And they use the town center, common Croydon town center, to do their annual convention. Do you guys know that witches and wizards do their annual convention in Croydon? Is it not you guys? It's how? No, one of them don't have PhD. One of them PhD. So I'm trying to tell Kate, you're not really like in school, you know. You do know some of your professors are not like well people. Daniel's life in Babylon. Daniel's life in Babylon is this. He understands who he's dealing with. It's a powerful power fight. Whoever has the chance to display power first, go for it. It's not about, oh yeah, now I'm just gonna I'm gonna do this report for my boss. I'm gonna I wrote nice and I underlined the paper. It's a powerful for power fight. And if you're not prepared. You're in media photography. If you are not prepared to see images better than those who use com- um, mad technology, do you, do you understand that your eyes are the best technology that anybody can build? Mm-hmm. You guys don't understand. Photos that your eyes will see that people that are behind IMAX will never be able to take. Because your eyes are directed. You're catching moments that will disappear forever that nobody will ever encounter yeah, again. Yeah. Do you understand the split-second moment that makes someone... Do you, do you know how these guys walk in? They, they channel themselves in a place where they're able to catch moments that will never be repeated again in life. How do you think photographers are judged? You think it's just to give guy camera? What's the your head? You think it's just to give someone a camera and just take pictures? No. They are able to sense and they can feel just when the right moment is about to come. 
Why you know I'm not lying to you? Is that to to benefit them, they've increased the the snap rate or the frame rate or whatever it is for every camera so you can take multiple shots because every camera is trying to help their eye to get the right moment every camera is just is trying to help them not to miss the right moment what is that for a revivalist in the right place at the right time all the time guys listen don't don't play with God's fire and what it can do it is very simple. Deny your life so that you can find your life. <laughs> Deny your life so you can find it. Until you've put yourself in that position where you're ready to test life to know if tomorrow will never come. You're not ready for the work. That's how bold I am. I'm ready to test life to know if if, if life is really speaking to me to say tomorrow will never come, let's go then. Yeah. Then let's go. But well, here I am, two years, three years, four years later. If they've been saying no, tomorrow you're finished. But am I finished though? <laughs> still here, still standing. I never knew him how many years ago. Still establishing souls for your tomorrow. It's people that will lead you on this journey. That will help you establish yourself so that you walk in God's light because you have enough people around you. Because inside them is light. But if you can only see the light inside them if you can light them. How do you light them? You're a fire. You're a revivalist. Pour the oil of God inside the vessels you need. Don't question the vessel where it came from. Just borrow. Don't question the vessel who it lives with. Just borrow. Just borrow. That's how you win souls. You don't say, hey, um, yeah, I know you come from a bad background. I just want to help. No, no, no. Just, hey, come meet me in this place now. Uh, did you see how Jesus won souls? You come, follow me. You come, follow me. He's not asking them, are you married? Okay, you're married. Maybe your wife. Okay, let's meet next week, Thursday. He's not asking them, oh, do you have a problem with your leg? Okay, we'll take it slowly. Uh, do you want to meet at 7 p.m.? Is you follow, you follow, you follow, you follow. That is how a snow snatcher operates. Yeah. Do you want to know the template of snow snatcher? You got to get emotionless and action and access only the action of your heart. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's the heart action now you're looking for. Remove emotion to say, oh yeah, but he does this and he does. You just say, come, follow, come, follow. If you're not speaking that word, come and follow. Come and follow. <laughs> then you're not a soul snatcher. You're not a fisher of men. That's what you meant to supposed to be, a fisher of men. What is soul snatcher supposed to be? The same way we meet tonight, all my work is to do tonight, I, I just like to, I like to, let's say, shape the mind of people with the word. It's just to shape your mind so you actually understand that you're not defeatable. Yeah. You cannot lose. You, you understand that when I'm speaking to you that to hell with what the world thinks I'm going through. I'm actually not going through anything. Yeah. It's to put that in your mind and make, that's how you form a leadership. Yeah. I said to Pastor this is what you should be doing. You gather 10, 15 year olds in the place of the football world. 15-year-old, and you begin to just give them the word. Don't worry about tomorrow if you can't drive Rolls Royce or Bentley. No. Never be a prophet that can be brought out. 
Just keep on gathering them. Gather the sticks. Gather the sticks. And one day, fire will come from your mouth. One day. But just make sure the sticks are all gathered in one room. They're 12, they're 13, they're 14. And you're just preaching to them. When they're 16, when they're 17, when they're 18. All of a sudden, what will happen? How does the world work? Every age and demographic moves on. That's why we're looking for a what? A movement. So every age and demographic moves on. So we're looking for a movement, right? Are you guys with me? So meaning that those of us who are first gen now in our 30s and 28 to 30s, we're one day going to be 40, right? We're one day going to be 38, 40, right? So we'll be the same age as the PT of now. Who are then the POs that we preached to when they were 15? At that time, they will be the same age as you now. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yes, the, the work of the revivalist is this. You understand that life is looking for one thing from you. What are you going to bargain with with life? You can only bring people because he asked the world already. He said to Jesus, bow before me and I'll give you the kingdoms. So you're coming with souls when you need to gather them. Are you hearing me? You think soul snatchers is what you're doing with Daniel Belgium and Pastor Kim? Is that that's, this one is training. Soul snatchers are 13 to 15 right now. If only Pastor Stephen can gather 112 to 15 year olds in a room and for six months just give them the word. Six months, one year, two years, three years. All of a sudden, they're 22. What do you think they're going to look like? What do you think they're going to sound like? What do you think? How do you think they're going to perceive certain things? It is just down to whatever word he's given them. So that's how you create superhumans. That's how you create people that are ready to take a world. Are you guys hearing what I'm saying? Because revival is not a today's bread food thing. So are you ready for revival? Are you really ready for revival? Because what is you're just in a space of transforming a generation. The world can't see it now because they don't look that far. So they're dealing with today. They're looking for today's bread. They're looking for today. They're looking for today. But what are you doing? You're gathering souls in a room. And you're speaking. You're just speaking five, ten years until those souls become the relevant workplace in the world. Sorry, the relevant workforce. Do you know about the, the, how, how, it, how nations are, 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 are rated? Oh my days, I think God's teaching me something. Nations are rated according to the power of labor. Yeah, yeah. So that's why they used to take on slaves. Because you take on slaves because slaves are at a certain age. So the ones who are a certain age that can work, you put them to work. What do they do with slaves that are old? They kill them. What they need is the work, is the age, the demographic that can work, that can build pyramid. And so that nation becomes powerful. To the amount of slaves they have building for them. We're going to round up now. So what are you working on, revivalist? Where are the people you're sent to save? Where are they? Or you just been crossing your leg, looking in the corner, thinking about you. Very soon you won't be relevant in this world if you think that way. Very soon you won't be relevant. Because those who will be relevant are those who will always have what the world needs to operate in that time. And it will always be a man. So the currency of this world will always be mad. It will always be blood. It will never be crypto. It will never be gold. It will always be a person. So the financial evangelist, 
is the finance man that has people under his work. Right. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Right. Let's just rise up and begin to pray. That God is beginning to prepare us for our leaders.
don't watch time to be honest with you. I don't want to speak for too long because I believe we know what season we're in. I don't believe that anybody needs to be to be encouraged to pray in the season. Because when you tell them again, if you do, then there's something wrong. I'm not gonna I'm gonna speak for about two minutes just to go back to the base of prayer. We're ready to pray. Yes, sir. We're ready to pray. Yes, sir. My voice is quite low when I speak, but when I pray, it gets stronger. So listen carefully. You know, when Pastor Only was speaking, right, he said some so many crazy things I ever heard to start from, you know. But there's certain things that as he was speaking, I was seeing in images. He began to speak about the man of revival. He began to say that we're in warfare. In this season, the other side don't take captives, they kill. It's one side against another. One side wants to force on the other side, and the other side wants to force on the other side. There's no middle, there's no in between. And he began to speak about Jonah. He spoke about Moses. And I was just thinking that, what does it take a man, a man, a revivalist, what mindset, what, what, what build up, what characteristics does this man have? And I thought about something, I thought, the men that God will use, Ezekiel, Pastor spoke about at the beginning, <coughs> were men that was completely dead. And I don't want to start speaking about Daniel and stuff, and all that elementary stuff, but I want you to understand something. See, prophets, those days, right, they lived alone, a life of solitude, right? There was no family, there was no care for anything else. They lived, in fact, they lived outside the city. Alone, they had nothing. They had no other life, no cares of the world. They were on, on the board of the city, right? What did God do to Moses when he took him out of the city? He took him out to the desert and he began to strip him, right? He completely emptied him. And I began to think about a soldier. You see, when a soldier, I believe a soldier is an agent of revival, you know. I'll tell you why. He spoke about burden. Soldiers, they carry a burden for the nation. They go into that war, a dead man. They reckon dead. Yeah. They go there knowing that they may not see their family again. Yeah. They may not see their friends again. Yeah. There's nothing else on their mind apart from to carry the burden. If I'm a soldier for the United Kingdom, right? Who am I carrying the burden for? The Queen. Whether it's right or wrong why this war was started, they go there knowing that they're carrying this burden for their country. They know they may not go home. Their mind is focused on one thing. And I began to think about something, right? Something I've been thinking about recently. <coughs> you see, who's heard of a siege before? Mm. A siege, you know what a siege is? Yes, sir. I believe that's how the rival's going to be in this time around. Mm -hmm. I believe it's going to be a siege. Let me explain that. Siege, S-I-E-G, right? When an army goes, right, to conquer another army, they employ a tactic called a siege. What does it mean? It means they begin to sit around the city patiently, Carrying the burden. They don't go into the city straight away. They're sitting down. It could be years. Pastor Only spoke about something. He said that for years you're just tied to the word. <coughs> tied to the word. They sit outside the city, right? Years and years and years. Tied in one place. Carrying a burden. You feel the conditions are good. You're sitting there. Knowing that you might not see your family again. Knowing that you're fighting another cause. You see tunnels, trenches, and they're sitting in that place, right? <coughs> Waiting. Years have gone by, they're still there, sitting. Years have gone by, they're still, still there, sitting. And I, and I read that stuff, that's what many people can't do, you know. They can't sit in that place. And then what do they do in the siege? They employ a tactic. It's simple. The tactic is, 
to sit outside that city, right, and begin to cut off the supply. Mm. I'm going to explain something. I'm going to link it back to what you're saying. Please stay with me. They begin to cut off the supply from inside the city. So that simple thing, the conclusion of what they're doing is to force those inside to give a starve or surrender. Mm. You know, no revival, everyone's going to make it, you know. Yeah. They're forced to starve or surrender. So the city's there, the army's outside, sitting for years and years. They begin to cut off the supply. Cut off supply, cut off supply, cut off supply from the city. So those inside can starve and surrender. And I realize something, right? The world is clever. They get smarter. Those inside begin to think of different tactics of how to survive. That's what the world's doing today. We've offered them Christ for years. We've offered them a solution. They say no. They get smarter and smarter. Technology gets better. They have to think of how to survive what's on you. You're trapped inside the city. Someone is outside. You have to supply. You have to be creative. They get creative. But then I realize something. As they do that in the city, as technology gets stronger and stronger, as they get clever in their own wisdom, which is foolishness, we know that, the army begins to get even smarter. Pastor spoke on, on Sunday about adversity. As the soldiers are there now, in the trenches, waiting, running out of food, guess what happens? They themselves get wiser, they get more creative of how they can cut off supply. So it's just continuous battle back and forth. Eventually, right, those inside realize that they can't survive. And it's so funny, you know, because what they used to do those days, yeah, if you look at army back in those days, and Job said it, he said, I cut off the water supply. That's the biggest siege tactic ever. The army on the outside will cut off the water supply because water is what every city needs to survive. What's water? Two definitions. Word and people. They're cutting off people. You don't understand. Pastor, on you said to Alex, gather 15 people, right? And begin to lash them with the words. Take them outside and begin to change their mindset. You're cutting off people from the the city. Right? Slowly by slowly. Dr. Emma does the same thing. Every industry, you're cutting off people from the city. <laughs> you're cutting off. You're changing their mindset. You're bringing them in, giving them words, giving them words, giving them words. Those who let to perish, those who don't have to perish, they have to starve. They will perish, and those in the city will realize that. Listen, there's no other way. They have something we need. A revivalist has something that the world needs. What's only said at the end of it is people. We have the people. Every industry. That's how we build the city. In every industry we're in. But it's simple anyway. Let me stop speaking now because I've run out of time and I want to really pray. The first prayer point is Lord, strengthen me. And I pray this prayer all the time, you know. And it's a prayer that you've grown and it's, it's, it's a fortify me. Strengthen me. And I'll tell you why. You know what? A, a soldier, right? His mindset is so strong. No matter how long you're sitting there for years and years, they're so fixed on accomplishing what, they, what they're set to do. Even when things don't look like it's getting better, it's years have gone past, the city's still flourishing inside. They're sitting there, sitting still, tied to the world, the donkey's tied, not moving, not frontal, not being moved around. As the Bible said, not being tossed like the wind or the sea. Yeah. But they're strong, and they're, they're, they're resolute. They're resolute. And they come from a place called strength. When Jesus said to Peter, stay up with me, <coughs> wait with me, Peter fell asleep. <coughs> Thank God for grace. Jesus said, I prayed for you. It's simple. Many people should have been there today, but they're not here today. And I was telling someone, I believe it was Pastor Faith a few weeks ago, I was saying, you know, there's some prayers that we prayed back in those days, yeah? I still remember them, you know? 
And I know they're responsible for me being here or me doing what I'm doing. Mm. Either way. Mm. I can sit back, I can mention prayers in the hotel. Pastor, I don't know if you remember this or not, in the hotels. Yeah. When we prayed to certain hours of the day. Yeah. And I know that's why I'm still here. And I know that's led to certain things. Yeah. Strength, fortify me. Mm. Strengthen my inner man. Yeah. That's what we're going to pray. Because it's not easy to sit down, you know. It's not easy to stay in that place. It's not easy.
David said, he said, as I walk through the valley with the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for your rod and staff comfort me. If we find comfort in money, we will not find comfort in God, and therefore we will not be able to mourn for others. The Bible says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. So if I want to be filled with the fullness of God, it means I must give myself away. When I'm saying give myself away, it means every single thing that God has blessed me with must go in an offering to God. Every single thing that, listen, sometimes, because God cannot pour new wine in an old wineskin. Sometimes the new oil gets mixed with the old. But I'm saying, God, empty me today, and it's going to be a bad product. The word today is going to be a bad product for our, give, for our giving. It's only to stir you up for our giving, because if we're hearing a word to this level, it means that God is saying, empty yourself, because I want to fill you with me. But sometimes we can run around life acquiring the things that God has given us instead of acquiring God. God wants us to acquire the fullness of him. Listen, if my, I said it before, if money could change the world, it would have done it before. The one thing that we will change the world with is, is the word. Yeah, yeah. So all I'm saying with my prayer point is today is that, Lord, fill me up. Fill me up. And listen, I'm only saying fill me up because I want you to empty me this week.
now I want to give you the one that you're going to end your prayer with. This is the last prayer point of tonight. And this is based on what Pastor Bible was saying because the Spirit of God really spoke to me through that. And you're going to take up any position you can and will in prayer. You're going to really end everything tonight. You're going to put an end to certain things tonight and I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because you're the last stop for many people. You are the last stop. Like, some people will not find whatever it is they're looking for. It is actually you. I need you to understand tonight that you are the prayer of a person. Someone out there is looking for God, but God is not ever going to make himself known to them. He's decided to hide himself in whatever you will become. And it's on this verse now. Look at what Pastor Bible said. Please pay attention to this. John chapter 7, verse 37. It said that on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus now stood and said in a loud voice. So Jesus shouted this thing. And this is what you're going to pray on. He said this. He said, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Now, this is what will happen to those who believe in him. That he has given to those ones a supply of water. Are you hearing me? Yes, sir. He's given to those ones a supply of water because water has been shut off from the city. Why are people suffering in this time and generation? It is that there is no water in the land. They're being fed wine. They're being fed all manner of things, but they're looking for water, guys. Do not mistake him the thirst of the world. It is water they're looking for, but they don't believe. You believe. So the supply that is to help them is inside you. Now you're, you're going to pray tonight and you're going to say to yourself, Lord, make me thirsty. I know, because, listen, before you pray, because typically you will pray for the supply. No, you're going to pray for the thirst. Now I understand. When he says that blessed is the one that hungers and thirsts, you will remain relevant in your time. You will remain relevant in your generation. Many of you think that you're not wise enough to be rulers. God is just saying, do you have water? He's saying that I've made what is supposed to be common in this world, I've cut off a supply of it so that you can rule. The man who comes into prominence in this time and generation now, in the time of revival, is the man that knows the word. Is the man that has water inside him. But he's the man that desires water more than anything. He has a thirst inside him. So until you thirst for the word now, now you're going to live and pray. Papa, 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 papa,
you 